book is so awesome. I can do anything. This book is so awesome. I am the potions king. Did you hear that half blood prince? I said I was the king. Can you hear me, Professor Snape? I can make anything. This book is so awesome. Hi, my name is Joel Watson. Watson. And you're listening to Potter and Daughter, the Harry Potter podcast, where I talk to my seven-year-old daughter as she reads through the Harry Potter book series. This is book two, episode two, and we are picking up where we left off, starting now on chapter seven of Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. This chapter is called Mudbloods and Murmurs. Sounds very ominous. Do you know what ominous means? It means kind of like spooky and, um, it means kind of spooky and it makes you kind of aware of lots of stuff. Sure, absolutely. Definitely spooky. So, we start off this chapter with uh, Harry getting ready for the first Quidditch practice of the year. I think it's the first of the year. I think it is, yeah. Okay, so first of the year, the uh, Quidditch team, um, why am I blanking on the name of his house? It is Gryffindor. The Gryffindor Quidditch team uh, meets at the Quidditch pitch and Wood, their captain, is going over his plans for the season. Do you uh, do you get the impression that Wood takes his job pretty seriously? Uh, yes. Yeah, he's he's big into plans. He's got diagrams. He's got uh, speeches to give. I mean, he's not super. Um, he's not super. Like, he's not, he doesn't have a personality, um, he doesn't have, um, a personality like Percy's, but he kind of, but he kind of like, you know, like, takes his job seriously like Percy. I thought you were going to say he didn't have a personality, which I, no. <laughs> which I was not going to agree with, but you're right. He he does take his job very seriously. I don't think he is... Uh, yes, he's not like Percy in that he... Uh, Percy almost doesn't have a personality. He he only cares about his his status. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, Wood, Wood seems to live, eat, breathe Quidditch. It's the only thing he cares about. Do you get the impression he might want to do that as a job when he grows up? Yeah, probably. Probably. Maybe a <laughs> professional Quidditch player. So anyway, he's showing like, the Gryffindors. Like on a real team or something. Ab- yeah, absolutely. He's uh, he's showing the Gryffindors uh, his plans for their plays and how they're going to win this year and blah, blah, blah. And then who shows up to ruin their plans for practice? Um, um, Slytherin. Slytherin House shows up. And what's their excuse? Um, that, that, that Snape wrote them a note saying, um, they could practice that day. And why, why does he get to decide who practices and who doesn't practice? Uh, yeah, they never really explain that. I don't think anybody knows. The whole point is, uh, not cool, but there is a surprise on the Slytherin team. What's the new surprise? Two of them. What's, well, what's the first one? Um, um, new 2001s. Well, let's start back. Who, who's the, who's the new person on the team? Malfoy. Malfoy is their new seeker. And, uh, how did he get on that team? By getting them the Nimbus 2001s. So his dad 
bought Malfoy's way onto the team by promising the whole team new, faster brooms. Again, not cool. How did Harry get on his team? Um, on pure talent. Just talent alone. He was great. McGonagall could see that he had a uh, natural talent. Because um, cause they were almost playing a super easy version of Quidditch when Malfoy th- threw the remember all he was right. trying to catch. Yeah, So, but he was showing the same skills that he needs for Quidditch. Yeah. And also showing that he was really he was a good flyer, and that he's also really good at finding small objects in the sky. I was about to say that. Yeah. Uh, Malfoy... Maybe it's safe to assume has displayed no skill other than being rich. And being super greedy. Rich, greedy, sneaky. Anything you can imagine that's bad. Do you think he will be a good player on the team? Slytherin team's mm. really good. Yeah, they are. I have to agree with that. So the question is, will Malfoy be any good? Or will the fact that he's made the whole Slytherin team faster by giving them faster brooms sort of offset the fact if he isn't good. I don't get it. Well, let's say, for instance, he wasn't good at Quidditch, but he made the rest of his team faster. So the whole team's a little better, even if their Seeker's not great. But the Seeker's, like, the most important um, teammate. That's correct. So I guess they should hope that he's pretty good, in addition to being pretty wealthy. Yeah. Seems like a waste of of a... that, that's an interesting thing that they made him Seeker, because it seems like even if he's buying his way onto the team, they would give him a less important job. Yeah, like, y- you have to be really good, like, really, really good to be a Seeker, um, and they have no clue if he's even good at, at Quidditch yeah, I mean, It's safe to assume he might have done a, a tryout that wasn't in the book, but yeah, you, the only reason he's on the team is for his money, so... Ron and Hermione come running out for some reason. I can't remember why. And uh, they get into it. They start trading uh, insults with Malfoy, and he says something pretty awful to Hermione. Um, I think, um, I think they, um, I think Ron and Hermione were, um, like, getting bored of just sitting around, and Ron asks, um, something like, um, are you done yet? Haven't even started. Yeah. And so what does Malfoy say to Hermione? Um, they start talking about, um, like the Chamber of Secrets or something. And he says, you'll be next, Mudbloods. And what is a Mudblood? It's, it's, um, another way of, of saying dirty blood um it um it's where both your parents are um are muggles but um their kid is a wizard or one of your parents it could be both your parents because there's muggle Muggleborn is both your parents mud blood means you have one wizard parent or uh uh or 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 no wizard parents but but you would call they would not consider somebody with a one muggle and one wizard to be a pure blood. They would consider them to be a mud blood too. Okay. Hermione, I guess that's it's confusing because Hermione's not really a mud blood. She's muggle born. Yeah, because um, because she um, because 
both of her parents are dentists, so... Like. Yeah, they're they're regular humans. So, so I guess the insult applies to all people who don't have two pure-blood wizard parents. But now I'm, st- but now I'm starting to wonder, how can Hermione do magic if her parents can't? Um, she would be the first in her line of, of family to be able to do magic. So you have to assume that the trait for doing magic occurs naturally. It, it's in some people, but then they tend to marry and have babies with other wizards. So that's what keeps their children magical and, and keeps their families going magically from there on out. But at some point, someone has to just be born a wizard or else nobody would be a wizard. Yeah, you're still not making any sense. Um, Let's say that wizards have only been around for, let's pretend it's 5,000 years, right? So there had to be a first wizard, which means two regular muggles had to have a baby that just so happened to be a wizard. And then somebody else had a baby that just so happened to be a wizard. And then because the wizarding lifestyle is so different than the muggle lifestyle, they probably started having children with other people who turned out to be wizards, which is what sort of created the whole idea of a pureblood, uh, that wizards kept having babies with other wizards, and those babies were wizards, and so on, and so on, and so on. Does that make sense? Yeah, sort of. Okay. So it's probably, I would imagine, less common nowadays for muggles to have wizard children, but if you'll remember, uh, even Lily Potter was born to muggle parents and had a muggle sister. So I guess it happens at least somewhat because that's pretty recent too. So anyway, Ron is not having it. That's a bad insult. He doesn't want to hear it. What does he do? Um, he, um, he tries to put a um a curse on Malfoy. Um he says um eat slugs. <laughs> um he says eat slugs Malfoy or something. Um and um then his wand end up ends up backfiring cuz um you know it got um broken in half but when they were um in the car on on the way to Hogwarts and they smashed in the Whomping Willow. Yeah, so he fixed it with Spellotape, but that didn't really work. Oh, I so, thought it was regular tape. No, it was Spellotape, which is a magical tape. What does it do? I guess it tries to fix broken magical things. Hmm. But it didn't quite work. It was too smashed up, so his curse rebounds. And it go and it goes out the other end. Um, like. It goes to the part where it's broken and then bounces back onto himself. Yeah, so he curses himself. So what happens to him? Um, he start um he starts throwing up slugs. Ooh. And you watched that movie recently? That's pretty graphic. It's gross. Uh huh. Yeah, it's it sounds seems like a pretty awful curse. So uh, he wanted something horrible to happen to Malfoy, but not deadly, just gross. And instead, happened to him. Which, which which is lucky he didn't do something bad um deadly because would have gone with him. That's true. Well, probably being 
horrible trouble if he, you know, murdered another child, too. So no matter what he was doing, he was probably doing the wrong thing. Uh, they're not supposed to be, you know, cursing each other during school hours, even if it's someone that they don't like. So anyway. And outside. He's throwing up slugs. And uh, so they head on down to Hagrid's to see if Hagrid can help. Does Hagrid have a solution for him? Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that, um, that getting a bucket for him to throw the slugs in, um, to put the slugs in would really be a solution. Yeah, I mean, basically all he does is says you just got to let it happen. And this is a part where you wonder if they had gone to, let's say, Madame Pomfrey in the hospital wing, could she have fixed it? Uh, instead, they go to Hagrid, and uh, he shows them his giant pumpkins. And Hermione mentions something about Hagrid that the other children don't know. Do you remember what it is? No. Well, she mentions these pumpkins are so big, he must have enchanted them. But Hagrid is not allowed to do magic. And they just kind of leave it at that. So that seems odd, right? Yeah, sort of. That there would be... That there would be somebody uh, at Hogwarts, working at Hogwarts in this magical world, who just isn't allowed to do magic. It seems like that would raise more questions, but nobody seems to have any questions. Yeah, like, why is he not allowed to do magic, but he is a technically a teacher at Hogwarts? He's not a teacher. He's an employee at this point. Well, he, he just works there. He tends the grounds and... Oh, I got confused. He's a teacher later, but at this point, he's not even close. I, so, thought, I thought it was this book. So, uh, Harry and Ron get uh, detention for for being involved in this scuffle. And uh, what does Ron have to do? Um, he has to um, he has to clean all the stuff in the trophy room with Filch. With Filch, yeah. yeah. And um and once Harry gets his detention thing, um he um he says no can't I trade with him I'll trade any day. Because what was Harry's detention? Um to to help um Lockhart sign his fan mail. Yeah, he had to address the the replies to the fan mail. So so Harry starts filling out addresses on envelope after envelope while Lockhart goes on and on and on about. How great he is and and replying to his fans. Definitely not a fun way to spend uh, an evening, right? Yeah, he he does it for like four hours. But something happens while Harry is addressing the fan mail. He hears something strange. He hears some super deadly stuff. <laughs> um, um, and, and um, he he's like... Um, kind of just listening super, super hard. And once he tells Lockhart, yes, do you hear that? Um, he said he must be getting tired. Then he looks at the clock and says, well, why wouldn't you be? We've been here for four hours. But what is it that Harry hears? He, what, what super deadly stuff does he hear? He hears some, he's hears something like, let me rip you. Let me tear you. Let me kill you. Yeah, that's that's some super deadly stuff. So that's that that's quite terrifying. This is one of the points where 
you get the impression that Harry knows so little about the wizard world that when crazy stuff like that happens, he maybe doesn't know how freaked out to be because that should freak you out a lot. You should immediately go to Dumbledore, go somewhere, go go to anyone. Like I'm freaked I'm super freaked out right now. I'm about to be killed. Something. Yeah, you know, even even if he doesn't think it's directed at him, he should want to know why there are uh murderous whispers coming that, through the walls that are bodiless. Now at the same time, this is a school where uh ghosts run around. So maybe Harry just assumes... And a a poltergeist. Yeah, maybe Harry assumes this is fairly normal for uh, Hogwarts. So, you know, I don't know. Next chapter is chapter eight, The Death Day Party. This is uh, nearly headless Nick. Well, first of all, um, Harry's in detention. And then something... uh, he He ends up in Filch's office, I believe. Um. Yeah, he fit, he ends up in Filch's office, and there is a uh, a noise. There is a banging sound, and Filch has to run off. He th- he thinks it's Peeves again. Peeves is the poltergeist. Yeah. He he causes problems and not much else. He he's pretty much just happy to see people unhappy. Yeah, he just wants to cause problems. That's it. He's a dead guy who. Uh, well, just causes he, mischief. He's not necessarily dead. Why not? Well, he's not really a ghost. He's like in full color. He's solid. Oh, he is. Yeah. Well, I think I think it's implied that a poltergeist is a form of ghost. I don't know. So, Filch runs off to see what the deal is, and Harry spies something interesting on Filch's desk. What does he see? He um he sees a purple envelope. And what is it? He investigates, right? Yeah, he opens it up, um, and it says "quick," and it says "quick spell." And what is it about? Um, it's a it's about this spell that I guess can help you do magic better. Yeah, it's it's sort of a um a course like a a course that he sent away for. And uh, it, it says it's, you know, it, it, it improved my potions. It improved my spells. People are always asking me to do this spell when I, you know, I, I studied with quick spell and I got so much better. So what do you think that means about Filch if he's ordered this course? He's, um, do we know what a squib is? Not yet. Um. So Harry must assume. He's either muggle-born or half-blood. Or he's just not good at magic. I guess I guess we can assume at this point that just because people have magical powers, maybe they're bad at using them. Like Neville, you know, we don't know much about Neville yet, but Neville's kind of bad at magic, and he's a pureblood. So, so they go. Uh, they get invited to uh, by n- nearly headless Nick to the Death Day party, and he's the Gryffindor ghost. What is a Death Day party? It's a day to celebrate the day you died. Right, and he's been dead for a very long time. Do you remember how long it is? Uh, 500 years? 500. This is 500th death day. And so the, uh, oh yeah, so it turns out, what actually caused the noise? Um, 
nearly headless, nearly headless Nick. He got Peeves to do it, right? He did something, or no, he did it, yeah. and so they would think it was Peeves. No, um, in the book they said that he persuaded Peeves to do ah, it. I see. So obviously he wanted to get the children alone so he could invite them to the death day because he likes them. I don't think he invited a lot of other uh, humans. And they go to the death day party and there are hundreds and hundreds of uh, pearly white translucent people sort of floating around celebrating Nick's uh, death, right? Yeah, pretty much. And uh, how did they enjoy the party? Um, They kind of just like... Like, just kind of floating around and being sad, not doing much. <laughs> so the children didn't enjoy the party very much, huh? Not really. But they told Nick they did. Yeah. They didn't want to hurt his feelings because he had been having some bad news recently. What was the problem for Nick? He wanted to join the Headless Hunt, but um, they sent him a letter saying that um, that he, um, he can't... That he could only join the headless hunt if he's completely headless, because um, then he couldn't um, join some of the activities like head juggling or something. Yeah, they they play head polo and they they, they juggle their heads, and if you can't take your head off, you can't really do it. So it seems like they're yeah, being mean, but um, yeah, it's it's only a half inch of skin, cause so it seems like they're being pretty mean. But, um, really, it's just how it works. Yeah, you can't participate if your head doesn't come off. So he feels left out, though. Um, and he's mad at them. This is also interesting that apparently ghosts can send letters. Yeah, it's I, weird. I, I find that to be I, odd. I, I don't really know how they can write them. It does seem weird. Because won't they just go through everything? Well, it seems like the ghosts in this world can at least affect the real world in some way. Like, they... If you're going to cause mischief, you can, you know, push stuff off of things. So, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, They do run into Moaning Myrtle. She's hanging out with the other ghosts. And is this the first time we've heard heard from Moaning Myrtle in this book? Not 100% sure. uh, Neither am I. I think it might be. She does not seem like the life of the party, though, does she? No. What does she say? Um, she says... Um, she says, don't lie to me. Do you think I don't know what people call me behind my back? Fat Myrtle, ugly Myrtle, miserable, molding, moping Myrtle. And Peeve says, you forgot Pimply. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, they, uh, neither of them seem that pleasant, right? Not really. So Myrtle feels sad for herself. She feels sorry for herself. She wants everyone else to feel sorry for her, too. And, and she's always crying for... Little tiny stuff. And then uh, what comes galloping through the death day party? The headless hunt. The headless hunt. I bet that is uh, something that Nick did not want to see, right? Yeah. Probably reminded him that he wasn't invited and he couldn't participate. Because he's mad at them. So all these headless ghosts come riding horses through his party. Ghost horses. Throwing heads around. Okay, now I'm now I'm curious. Uh huh. How can you talk if your head is gone? Well, how can you do anything if you're a ghost? I, I assume you're imbued with certain magical qualities eh. that uh, you know just let things work. I mean, you don't obviously you don't have to breathe. 
Yeah, that must feel weird. <laughs> I bet it does. Uh, I'm sure passing through a wall feels pretty weird too. And just and just being like this all the time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, also, where did they get ghost horses? I guess they have to go to a place where mm-hmm. horses died, and then find some ghost horses. Rent a ghost horse. Rent a ghost horse. dot com <laughs> is probably what they use. I'm sure they have to make a deposit. They have to give a credit card, ghost credit card. They have to be at least twenty five ghost years to rent a ghost horse. And uh, and then you have to make sure you fill the horse back up before you return it. And if you scratch the horse, you got to pay for it, unless you bought the insurance. If you bought the insurance, you don't have to pay for it. No one buys the insurance, though. So then Harry and Ron and Hermione decide this is a good time to sneak out, right? Yeah. They head into the corridor, and what do they see? Um... Is it Malfoy? Not yet. They see somebody hung up by a light. Oh yeah, Miss Norris. What happened? Um, Mrs. Norris um got hung up on a um by her tail on a lamp torch and she wasn't moving or anything. She looks dead. She yeah, she kind of does um and and there's um writing written in blood um up above her. Do you remember what it said? Um, the chamber has been opened. Enemies of the air beware. You'll be next, mudbloods. That was not what was written on the wall. Oh, no, that's what Draco says after he reads it. Yeah. Yeah, enemies, so it says enemies of the air beware. And I guess Draco says you'll be next, mudbloods. He already said that. So a crowd shows up. Draco pushes to the front. And uh, he's actually pretty happy about what he sees. Everybody else is freaked out. But he seems to be grinning at the sight of the uh, seemingly dead cat. Yeah. That's not cool. So what do you think? uh, What do you think that warning means? Not really so sure how to explain it any differently. (laughs) Okay. So you think it's pretty self... Self-explanatory. Well, what, what is enemies of the air? Who's the air? Don't know. At this point, you don't know, or you don't know yourself. Um, I kind of forgot. Okay. Well, I, I don't know how it's revealed in the in the, maybe in the next chapter, but it refers to the air of Salazar, Salazar Slytherin. I think we find that out in the next chapter. So I guess let's just go forward from here. So let's see, that is chapter 9, Writing on the Wall. And we can also cover chapter 10, The Rogue Bludger, because those are are pretty short chapters. So uh, Mrs. Norris, it turns out, is not dead. What is her condition? She's just petrified. But Filch shows up and sees Harry to be the first one there. What does he assume? He assumes that Harry, Ron, and Hermione are um, the ones who have, to him, killed Mrs. Norris. Yeah, it seems like, I mean, Filch is quick to blame whoever is at the scene of a problem for that problem. He he doesn't seem to be very uh, concerned about investigating the truth. He's pretty much just like here. Here, these people are. They they must be the ones who did it. Yeah. So he's he's not concerned 
about uh, about the truth so much is just finding someone to blame. But he's also pretty upset because he, you know, he cares for Mrs. Norris and she appears to be dead. Uh, so Dumbledore takes Harry, Ron and Hermione and Filch to Professor Lockhart's office. I don't know why they want to involve Lockhart. It doesn't seem like he's going to be that any, much help. Any help. And the McGonagall and Snape go with them. And Dumbledore examines Mrs. Norris. What does he find? Um, I think he only finds that she's petrified. She's not dead. She's petrified, which means she's just frozen. Uh, he 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 mentions that Madame Pomfrey can brew up a uh, a uh, potion, an antidote, and what's it going to be made from? Mandrakes. Mandrakes. The mandrakes that we saw earlier that uh, while they are deadly in their young form, can be used to heal and create antidotes. So that seems like something important. Uh, Lockhart is just sort of bouncing around, saying that he knows what to do, he knows what what the problem is, he's seen things like this in his adventures. And and he keeps making suggestions. Yeah, and it it ends up, obviously, that all of his suggestions are wrong, uh, that he doesn't really know what he's talking about. Um, so then, uh, he's, yeah, so they're going to restore, uh, make a restorative draft with Mandrake and, uh, Harry, Ron and Hermione leave. And then Ron explains to Harry what a squib is. That's what you were asking earlier. What is a squib? I'm asking you, what is a squib? Um, I think it's. Um, it's different than a mudblood, and it's different than a muggle, and it's different than a muggle-born. I was thinking, like, maybe a half-blood who's not good at magic. No. A squib is someone born into a magical family, but has no magical powers. Oh. So they are basically a muggle, but the difference is... Uh, they're in the magical world. I get it. It's like being muggle-born, except the opposite. Correct, exactly. It's it's the opposite of a muggle-born. You've got magical parents, magical brothers and sisters. You live in a magical world. You can't do any magic yourself. That seems like uh, sort of a terrible fate, because you can see all of this wondrous stuff around you, but you can't actually participate in it. Okay, question. Mm-hmm. How could he do the quick spell if he can't do magic? I think at this point we're to assume that Filch is desperate and he thinks maybe his magic just hasn't come in yet. Maybe he's not really a full squib, maybe if he tries harder. But he's also pretty old, which means he's been this way his whole life. But you you get to understand a little bit more about Filch. Maybe the reason he's so grumpy and the reason he is uh, so not fond of all the magical children is that he is jealous of them. And he always has been, and his whole life has been very difficult because everyone around him has these amazing powers and he can't do anything. Yeah, it seems kind of like... Sort of like your best friends are all in the club, mm-hmm. but um, they don't want to put you in it. And it's not their choice. You know, no one no one is keeping him from being magical. It's just yeah, that's, kind of the way he is. I know. I, I was just making an example. No, you're right. So, it, and the other problem is it's not his fault. So, 
you, you could almost argue that somebody without magical powers might even be happier just living in the muggle world because wizards and witches make up for not using technology by using magic. In this case, a squib like Filch doesn't have technology or magic. So he, you know, doesn't have cell phones or computers or the internet, and he also can't do spells and doesn't have a wand and can't do anything. Oops. Here, fix your headphones. So anyway, he's he's in a bad way, you know? he's he. It makes you feel a little sorry for him, right? He seemed like a jerk, but now you kind of feel sorry for him. Yeah, kind of. So, uh... Anyway, so Ron explains what a squib is, and, you know, not a good thing. Uh, at least it wouldn't feel very good to, to be a squib in a magical world. And um, Filch begins guarding the spot where Mrs. Norris was cursed. Because he thinks that um, maybe the, um, the person might come back to... Try um, to try and kill somebody else again. Yeah, he, he thinks he's going to return to the scene of the crime, right? Yeah. So uh, then, uh, what about the writing on the wall? Is Filch uh, able to get it off? Um, no. He uses Mrs. Scour's all-purpose magical mess remover, but it still won't come off. It's just shinier. Which makes me think that it's not just blood. There's something... Sinister and magical about the uh, about the blood, right? Yeah. So Harry goes to the library to meet up with Ron. The, Professor Benz, who is their magical history teacher, he's the ghost, right? Yeah, he's a super boring ghost. They say he doesn't. He's um, people say he doesn't even know that he's a ghost. Um. Um. What? One day he was a person. Mm-hmm. Um, and then. I guess he just, like, either somebody killed him or he, like, died in his sleep or something. Mm-hmm. And next day, just returns. Yeah, so he's he's dedicated to his teaching craft, I guess. But uh, he, uh, he he's their history of magic teacher. He's asked for a very long assignment. And since they don't write on sheets of paper, they write on parchment, which is rolled up. He assigns it in uh, feet so he asks for, I think, three feet of parchment or something like that about a certain subject, which uh, seems like a long report, right? Yeah, it does. That might be like five or six or ten pages worth of writing. So uh, this is where Harry starts to find out. Ron tells him that the students are afraid of him. Do you know why? Uh, no. Well, they assume that Harry is the one that cursed Mrs. Norris Oh, I thought you were talking about people who are afraid of Professor No, yeah, they're afraid of Harry now. And they think that maybe he's the heir of Slytherin. And also Hermione shows up and mentions that uh, there is a book that is all checked out from the library. Do you remember which one? Hogwarts A History. Yeah, Hogwarts A History. And so it seems like uh, people are anxious to find out what is the chamber... What does the chamber has been opened mean? You know, what does this have to do with anything? And so they're actually reading history books to find out. So they go to uh, Professor Ben's class, and he wants to give a long, boring lecture. But what does Hermione want to hear about? He asks him um, if if um, 
he could tell them about the Chamber of Secrets. And um, in the movie, um, she, um, she asks Professor McGonagall, but I guess yeah, Ben's is, about the Ben's isn't in the movies. Oh, he's not? He, I think you, at most you might see him in the background, but I don't think you ever see anybody in his class. Oh. So, uh, oh, whoops, my note page just changed. Okay, there we go. So they, uh, he begins to explain the history of Hogwarts. Hogwarts was founded over a thousand years ago by the four greatest witches and wizards. Who were they? Godric Gryffindor, mm-hmm. Helda, Helga Hufflepuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to say this. Rowena. 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 Ravenclaw and Salazar Slytherin. All of their names have alliteration. Meaning they have the first same first letter of their yeah, first I know and what last that name. Means. Okay, I'm sorry for explaining it. <laughs> so, uh, Godric Gryffindor, Helga, Helga Hufflepuff, Hufflepuff, Hufflepuff <laughs> Helga Hufflepuff, Rowena Ravenclaw, Salazar, Salazar Slytherin. And uh, what was the problem with Slytherin? He thought that um, that um, Muggleborns. Um, are like weak and sort of shouldn't um be at that um at Hogwarts because if they're like anybody below a pure blood mm-hmm. is just just not worth teaching magic not, to right? yeah so they shouldn't be allowed according to Slytherin. Muggleborns, mudbloods, they should not be allowed to study at Hogwarts. The other three, did they agree with him? No. So what happened to Slytherin? Um, is this the point where we mentioned that he um, builds the chamber? Basically, yes. He leaves Hogwarts. He's no longer uh, aff- affiliated with Hogwarts and the legend goes that he builds a chamber. Do you remember anything else about the chamber? Um, there's a monster he hides in it. And he builds it beneath Hogwarts, hides a monster in it, and who's going to be able to open it? The heir of Slytherin. Yeah, so do you know what an heir is? Um, um, a younger family member? Sort of. It's like a last living relative. It's someone who would inherit all that the previous relative had, basically. Um, so he means, yeah, probably the last living, uh, at this point, young relative of, of Salazar Slytherin. So at this point, Harry starts to worry that maybe he's the heir of Slytherin. Why do you think he he wonders that? Um, you know, I'm not really sure. Well, what did the uh, Sorting Hat tell him? That he that he might that um that he might do good in Slytherin. Right, that he would be a powerful Slytherin, and then what does Harry know about his family? Uh, Almost nothing. Oh. So he doesn't know who his ancestors are. The hat told him he'd be a good Slytherin. 
he has people thinking he's the heir of Slytherin. So he kind of starts to think maybe it's true. Anything could be true at this point, right? Yeah. So uh, back in the uh, common room, or actually before they get to the common room, uh, they come to the place where Mrs. Norris was attacked, and they what do they see? More writing? No, they see some spiders. Do you remember what they were doing? Oh, they were all scurrying in one line. Yeah, they were trying to get out of the castle. And so they uh, they go to the girls' toilet where Moaning Myrtle is. And uh, there's uh, water all over the floor because she likes to clog the bathroom, right? I didn't know she liked to do that. I think it's her that does it. I think that's why it's always broken, why no one uses that bathroom is because she messes with the pipes. That might not be true. I didn't. I never knew she messed with the pipes. You know what? No, that's not the case. Something was clogging the bathroom, but it wasn't her fault. That's right. So, uh, but before they get to talk to her for too long, they get caught. By who? Percy? By Percy, that's right. But that's when they were coming out. Right, so they don't get to talk to her too long because they get caught and they get sent away by Percy. No, because they, um, they just talk to Myrtle and when they're done, they leave and Percy just happens to be there. We're, okay, we're sort of saying the same thing. So, Percy sends him back. They go to the common room, and they're trying to figure out who the heir of Slytherin might be. Who does Ron think it's going to be? Malfoy. And that seems like a pretty good guess, right? Yeah. Why do you think? Because his whole family has um, has been in Slytherin for many centuries, and um, they all think that anybody below pureblood is just not worth it. Yeah, they they definitely have the same sort of beliefs that Slytherin thought were important, and they uh they seem pretty evil, you know. So it's a pretty good guess that maybe Malfoy, um, is directly descended from Slytherin, right? Yeah. Uh, Hermione comes up with a plan. What's Hermione's plan? Um, if they somehow change um use this thing called a polyjuice potion mm-hmm. potion to um, change into um, Slytherins they could um, ask um, they could ask Malfoy um, stuff about the chamber that he could quite possibly know. Yeah, they think maybe he's got some information or they think a Slytherin. I don't think at this point they're targeting Malfoy but they think a Slytherin will know more than they know about Salazar Slytherin in the chamber. So what is Polyjuice Potion? How does it work? Um, it, um, once you make it, mm-hmm. um, you have to get um, a bit of the person you're changing into. And what is the easiest thing to get? Hair. Yeah, because you don't want to like cut off their finger or anything, right? <laughs> Maybe a fingernail clipping would work. But that would still be pretty gross. It would also be tough to get someone's fingernail clippings. Plus, we don't even know if wizards clip their fingernails. Maybe they use a spell. Fingernailis reducto or something. <laughs> so uh, so they're going to get some hairs from three different Slytherins and make a polyjuice potion. But they don't know how because it is a difficult potion. What do they need to get first? 
I have no clue. They need to get the potion book called Moste Potente Potions. Oh, I thought I thought it, I thought it was just most potent potions. Well, I think you would pronounce it that way. So, uh, there, the problem is, this is not a book that they're allowed to have, right? Uh, okay. Well, the book is probably going to be in the restricted section. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm getting confused with the movie. Cause okay, the forget movie. about the movie. Yeah, it's... Yeah, okay. It leaves, it leaves out way too much. So, they, uh, they need to get in the restricted section, but there's only one way to do that. How do they do that? Um, they have to, um... Get a teacher to sign um, a form that will let them into the, the, the restricted section. Yeah, so they are, uh, they've got a lot of points to this plan, a lot of things that can go wrong, and uh, it's very complicated, right? Yeah. So, uh, so this is uh, Chapter 10, The Rogue Bludger. Uh, Professor Lockhart has not brought any more live creatures to the class because of the pixie incident, right? Yeah, so now he's just, like, reading them passages. From his books. Yeah. And he's making Harry act out all Pretty of his everything. adventures, right? Yeah. Harry has uh, had to be a Transylvanian villager. Yeah, hard, he hardly ever um, get, um, not gets picked. Yeah, he has to be a yeti and a vampire and all kinds of other stuff. A, a werewolf. Werewolf, yeah. And so uh, Lockhart wants to show the children how he defeated all these creatures, and then what kind of homework does he give them? Uh, I'm not really sure. He he wants them to write a poem about how he defeated the Wagga Wagga werewolf. Oh. So he just wants to hear... More stuff about how great he supposedly is, right? Yeah. Do you think they're actually learning anything they can use? No. And and I've also been wondering lately how, um, what, like, like, okay, so if they're at Hogwarts the whole year, then they obviously don't go to regular school. Mm-hmm. So how do you learn anything f- that's real like you really need to know it this is a very good question and it's something that me and mommy have talked about a lot especially as adults <laughs> we've talked about in great deal uh, great detail uh, it seems since you don't go to Hogwarts until you are uh, what 11 10 10 so that gives you kindergarten first grade second grade third grade to learn shapes, numbers, colors, addition, subtraction, maybe multiplication, a little bit. Tiny, tiny bit of division. And then it seems as though their traditional muggle education would end at that point. Because they don't have math class. They don't have... Only four years? Well, here's the thing. And this is my theory. Um... Other than muggle history, which they are not taught, but seems like something they should learn, you know, because there are certainly more muggles in the world than there are witches and wizards. And so more of our history as a planet has been affected by muggles. They should learn about, you know, ancient peoples and civilizations and all these things that everyone should know. Uh, and, 
but everything else they seem to completely ignore, perhaps because they don't need it. Uh, they don't learn higher math, I think, because it doesn't matter for them. They don't need they don't need math to build things. They don't need math to figure out uh, how to make machines and how to. Uh, you know, decide the space of a of a room and how to. Don't you? I don't think they do. I think they do it all with magic. That that that's what I think the 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 problem is. Like that's one of the reasons that Mister Weasley is so completely confused by and fascinated by Muggle stuff is because they don't even learn what our stuff is or how it works or why it works. So it may be safe to assume that most witches and wizards, unless they study on their own, don't know math, muggle math and muggle science because they learn, for instance, we would learn chemistry. So chemistry is uh, how to, you know, uh, mix compounds and create chemical reactions and and how uh, fuels work and how fire works and how... That's basically their potions class. Exactly. So they don't need to know how we would use... Uh, chemistry to make a chemical reaction to create, you know, um, different compounds and different uh, solutions and things like that. They would do it all with potions. And arguably, their way is better. You know, you can accomplish more with less. Um, it's not necessarily easier, but it, it's potentially... Seems w- to be. more. Well, it, being good at potions is hard, as we'll learn in later books. But the result is certainly um, easier than anything we could come up with. The other thing they don't study, for instance, is biology. You know what biology is? No. Biology is the study of living things like you and me and animals and plants and that sort of stuff. Um, The main reason we study biology is to understand how our bodies work and how animals' bodies work and that sort of thing. But uh, they, and we'll learn in later books, they don't use medicine. They use magic to cure illness and to uh, fix broken bones, and don't, that happens in this book. And Don't we already know that? Um, we know that there is a hospital wing in the and that they use magic, but all of the problems they fix there are big problems so far. But they don't use Band-Aids, you know? They don't use Neosporin. <laughs> they don't use, when they get a cut. Near what? You know, the stuff we put on your cuts, the, the oh. cream that we put on your cuts. Um, They do it all with magic. So I guess their point is, why waste your time learning how muggles would do things when we can just fix it all with magic? So I guess my, my question is, if they learn any of that stuff, when do they? Like, shouldn't they know about hearts and lungs and kidneys and mm-hmm. intestines and all that? I mean, yeah. I don't I don't know. I, I don't know... Um, if we're to assume that wizards as a whole are ignorant of all science and biology um, and math because they don't need it in their daily lives. I mean, we learn stuff we don't need in our daily lives anyway. So I don't know. The other question is, is this just Hogwarts? Hogwarts is a very prestigious school. It's a very important school. Do regular wizards get homeschooled or do they go to sort of like wizard public school? Where they just go like you do for, you know, six hours, eight hours a day and then come home. Because not every wizard school is a boarding school where you stay there all year. 
So there's a lot of there's a lot of questions. That's you know, and it's never no answers of any kind are given in that respect. I forgot what I asked. <laughs> you asked if they learned about regular stuff. Oh yeah. And then Daddy talked for twenty minutes <laughs> because I'm incredibly interested about this <laughs> subject. Like I said, your your adult thirty plus year old parents have spent uh, a significant amount of their free time trying to figure this out and have reached different theories but no concrete solutions. So where were we even? Uh, I know that they have to get the book. Let's see, Harry's acting out all the stupid stuff in Lockhart's books. And uh, oh, that's right. So they need to get a note from a professor, and they figure they can get it from Lockhart. What does Hermione do to get that note? Um, she goes to Lockhart's office um, and tells him um, they need this, some kind of book, um, like a different book than the book they really need. And he's like, um... Like, maybe a book to improve Hermione's something or something. But they flatter him in some way. They make it seem yeah. like they want to do something to, you know, make him feel better about himself. So Yes, yeah, so um, he, signs, he signs the um, thing, and he doesn't even look at the book they want. Yeah, he doesn't care. He's, he's too caught up in his own ego. So He's like, cool, I just get to sign another thing. So they get the... Uh, Potent Potions book, and then they go to Moaning Myrtle's bathroom, and Hermione is a little concerned about the potion. Um. Do you remember why? No. Because it's the most complicated potion she's ever seen. Well, you're only in your second year, so. Yeah, but she's read about a lot, you know, a lot of stuff past her year, so... She needs lacewing flies. She needs leeches. She needs fluxweed. She needs knotgrass. She needs a powdered horn of bicorn and shredded skin of boomslang. I thought they only needed four ingredients. They need all that stuff. And where do they have to get it from? Snape's office. That seems like it's going to be a problem, right? Yeah, that seems as dangerous. Um, that seems as safe as, let's see... Going into a um a dragon's cave and <laughs> um and um taking teeth out of five of their dragons that are there. Oh my goodness! Or maybe taking a teacup from a dragon if he really likes that teacup. Eh. <laughs> so uh, Harry has his Quidditch match against Slytherin. Wood gives him a pep talk. This is uh, Malfoy's first match as Seeker. And uh, what is wrong with this match? It seems like Harry can't have just a normal Quidditch match at the beginning of a year. Um, the um, one bludger keeps um, trying to knock Harry off his broom. And what's a bludger again? A bludger is um, one of the medium-sized black balls that tries to um, that tries to knock people off their brooms while they're playing. So it's doing what it's supposed to do. But not completely, because um, um, they're not supposed to go after just one person the whole game. Right. So Fred and George whack this bludger because they're beaters. 
So yeah. they, they whack this bludger away from Harry. It turns around and comes right back at him, right? Yeah, they're base. Um, they're just. Um, they're kind of like protecting him. They try to at least, right? Yeah. And so they call a timeout, and they're like, "Something's wrong with this bludger." So are they going to stop the game? No, you can't stop the game. Um, like not 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 even if there's emergency. Like you just have to keep playing till um till somebody um catches the snitch. snitch. And I think they mentioned that like the longest game ever took like five months. Five months, yeah. So I wonder if they took breaks. I wonder if they had meals on their brooms while they were playing. Maybe they had sandwiches. <laughs> Maybe instead of uh, smacking the balls around with the bats, they would smack sandwiches to each other. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure. It seems like a little impossible, maybe. It kind of does. Maybe that's just a legend that grew. It really wasn't five months. Maybe it was five days. Months, I think. Uh, no, I'm thinking if it really happened, maybe it wasn't really five months. Nah, whatever. So, so Harry says, forget it. I'm going after this snitch. I don't care if this bludger is going to smack my head off. <laughs> and so... Uh, just go pr- protect everyone else. Whatever. Yeah, they go back to playing, uh, but the bludger gets him. Right. Yeah. What's it do to him? Um, he, um, he um, it breaks his arm. Yeah, he's in a lot of pain. Uh, but he doesn't give up. And what happens? Um, he sees the snitch when Malfoy's laughing at him. Um, and it's like I don't know, three inches above his left ear. Um, yeah. And once he comes towards Malfoy, he he's like, "Wait, what are you?" D- uh? He, he, he's, he thinks um, Harry is trying to kill him or something. Yeah. Instead, he just grabs the snitch, game over. Bam. But it also shows that Malfoy's, uh, you know, tendency to be more concerned about making fun of Harry cost him the game because the snitch was just floating right by his head. If he was any good at all as a seeker. Bam. He could just reached up and grabbed it. Thank you. Yeah, it would just been right there. So he's not a great seeker. So uh, Harry hits the ground, and he's got the snitch. Game's over. They win. Slytherin had been up by, like, 60 points, right? Yeah. But how many points do you get for catching the snitch? 150. Yeah, so they win. So uh, they, they say it's time to, you know, take Harry to the hospital wing, but somebody steps in. Um, Lockhart says that um, he could probably fix it with this spell that he says men's bones, but mm-hmm. once he does, but once he does it on Harry, it just takes his bones away. Ugh. And then he's just got a limp, noodly arm yeah. with no bones in it. And 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 when and remember when he bends his hand back, that was so gross. Yeah, that was in the movie. That was pretty gross. Ugh. So uh, once again, Lockhart is all talk, but doesn't seem to know how to do anything right. Yeah. And they take him to Madame Pomfrey, and what does she say? She says, you should have come to me right away. <laughs> what? That's how she sounds. I know. You're right. I think it's funny. So she uh, she uses Skelligrow to regrow his bones, and it's not going to be pleasant, right? No. I mean, to me, having a having a growing pain is... It, um, hurts enough, mm-hmm. but growing in, but growing like how many bones are in an arm? Well, I think he just broke the uh, two bones, or he just lost the two bones that are in his forearm, 
Come on, our dumb cat is here. Oh, okay. Well. <laughs> Hopefully he doesn't meow all the time. No, he's just going to sniff your feet. <laughs> okay, so... Um, so they got to regrow his bones, and it's going to hurt really bad. And you're right, way worse than a regular growing pain. It's, uh, it's going to be pretty terrible. He wakes up in the middle of the night because the pain's so bad. And who does he find in his bed? Dobby. And what does Dobby tell him? Um, Dobby, again, is the house elf that was telling Harry, Harry Potter must not return to Hogwarts. Basically almost ruined his life. Yeah. So what does Dobby tell him? Um, he's, he, that he's disappointed in Harry for coming back to Hogwarts. Mm-hmm. And what, and Dobby makes a couple of confessions, right? Yeah. Um, he says, um, that that was his, that he enchanted the bludger to almost kill him. And that he is the one that enchanted platform nine and three quarters so that Harry couldn't get through it. Uh, yeah, but you also made Ron get um, miss it, too. Yeah, so he didn't care about Ron. He's more concerned about Harry. Um, he also uh, explains a little bit more about house elves, kind of what their role Pur- is. Like, yeah. purpose. Yeah, he explains they're basically servants. They're unpaid servants, so they're slaves. They're not allowed to wear clothes. Uh, what does Dobby wear? A pillowcase yeah, that he wears, never gets washed. It's pretty gross, right? Yeah. And... Uh, does he explain what would happen if a house elf were ever given clothes? Yes. What does he say? Um, if a house elf is ever given clothes, then they're set free to leave their, um, their, um, their masters, their masters' house yeah. forever. So, uh, Dobby also kind of lets slip some information about the Chamber of Secrets which sort of proves to Harry that it's a real thing. It's not just a rumor. Yeah. And then they hear some footsteps, and Dobby, poof, he's gone. Yeah. So who who is, uh, who are the footsteps? Um, Dumbledore and, um, um, Dumbledore and McGonagall. And who have they got with them? Colin Creevy. Colin Creevy. And he is petrified. Oh. And he's got his camera with him. Um, so they think that he might have um, taken a picture of his attacker. But once they open it, poof. All the film sort of explodes, right? It's all yeah. melted and blows up. So uh, at this point, we've got Mrs. Norris. We've got Colin Creevy. Is that it? Uh, yeah, so far, I think that's it. I think that's everybody. So, uh, but whatever is causing this problem, it is not getting any better. If anything, it's getting worse, right? Yeah. So on our next episode, we're going to start with chapter 11, the dueling club. And, uh, we're going to find out some more about, uh, what may or may not be the monster in the chamber and, uh, what role snakes play in the wizarding world and in Harry's world in particular. Interesting stuff, don't you think? Yeah. So, uh, one thing I do want to mention is uh, thanks to Harry and the Potters for the use of their song, This Book is So Awesome, for a theme song. And thank you to all of our Patreon patrons. If you would like to support this podcast, please check out 
patreon.com slash hijinksensue, H-I-J-I-N-K-S-E-N-S-U-E. And if you are uh, an adult, you can check out hijinksensue.com and read the comics that I make there. And that'll do it uh, for Potter and Daughter. My name is Joel Watson. And I'm Olivia Watson. I think a uh, pretty good episode. Yeah. Great episode. This book is so awesome. And now that's going. Testing, testing, one, two. Testing, testing, one, two.